You're listening to the Silken Community Podcast. Your favorite source for gaming, film, and internet debate starts now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soken Podcast. I'm your host, T, and with me are Leo, who's getting first billing for once, and our producer, Syl. Oh, my. Hello. I'm Leo. Hi, I'm Syl. Jace sadly wasn't able to join us today, uh, but we're going to have to meet with one of our normal lovely cast members and this other person who we found lingering outside the recording booth. I live in an alley. The world's been a little quiet as we're all waiting to see just how long our quarantines will be extended. How have you guys been feeling? I'm living my best life, man. Uh, frankly, an antisocial introvert. Um, this is this is heaven. Uh, not everybody feels that way, even in my own house. Uh, my wife's losing her mind. My youngest daughter's losing her mind. Uh, they're trying to find any and every excuse to find social outlets but uh, I'm I'm not looking forward to the quarantine ending you know uh, I'm told I've been I've been described by others as an ambivert so I'm a little bit uh, a little bit of both so I enjoy my solitude but uh, there's there's a limit especially when it comes to uh, being forced to see the same few people every day all day I want to. I want to get out there. I'm tired of this. I've I've had a few moments of that where I've, um, you know, I've been on a call with somebody from work, or I've been, you know, just run into a stranger if I'm, you know, taking my girls on a ride around the neighborhood or something, and I'm like, oh, you know, social interaction might not be so bad, but then I remember myself and I come back into my cave, and I'm happy. <laughs> I feel that. I just like. I'm doing online classes and stuff, and it's so, it's awful, man. I hate it so much. I want to be in the room with people, you know? I also, I don't, I don't learn well when it's just staring at a screen. You know, that's fair. I, I think under the same circumstances, I, I'd probably feel the same. I, I don't know how I would do with an online class. I've never, I've never had to take one outside of like, you know, work. Um, when I was in college, it was, it was all classrooms. It was all face to face. So. Yeah, it's it's really bad it's awful like the whole yeah internet, i think i'd have a hard time with it the whole internet pretty much agrees that it's the worst thing there there just seems like i can imagine i'd have just a lack of focus and a lack of drive and a lack mm -hmm. of attention yeah 100%. And of course that doesn't translate to good kids yeah the, it's motivation is like the primary thing like nobody cares it doesn't feel real you know yeah i can see that Especially if you're a nocturnal in nature and the, the deadlines are always at like 11 59 p.m and you're like i'll be awake by midnight then you know you sleep through it and you're like oh absolutely i, I had a class no uh, i had a class this morning at 9 a.m i went to bed last night at four in the morning he got i'm bad at sleeping. that could be your problem you know yes that is a problem but when classes <laughs> were yeah when classes were in person, when I was taking a train downtown every day for for classes, I still stayed up that late and woke up earlier than that. So that's true. I remember my late teens and early twenties. I do remember those as well. I can't do that. <laughs> when dinosaurs roam the earth. <laughs> Things are different now. I gotta go to bed like at at reasonable times if I want to get up that early. Uh huh. You're old. I can't do the whole like. Uh, I can't do the four hours of sleep and then just pop up like nothing's happened. Not anymore. Is a sleep schedule an issue? Yes, but you didn't have to say it. <laughs> Man, uh, I'm going you know, to blame it on that. I'm going to blame it on you kids. Your irresponsible sleeping habits. You know what? That's what gave us COVID. That's fair. Well, today we'll be discussing the upcoming Robert Pattinson Batman film, the return of Archer in the animated show's 11th season, and the ongoing quarantine debate, is GameStop an evil corporation? Is that a question? Last year, we were graced with the information a new Batman movie was coming to theaters, and in the near future. And then the collective internet 
perception turned to confusion because they announced that Robert Pattinson was being cast in the iconic and titular role. There's been a lot of debate about it, and with the casting choices alone stirring up this much conversation, the movie's kind of become a hot topic. With Pattinson as Bruce Wayne and Batman, Paul Dano as the Riddler, Colin Farrell as Penguin, Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, and several other well-known actors in as-of-yet-unconfirmed roles, the film is set up with a pretty all-star, if B-level, cast. Do you guys think that these actors can nail the roles? You know, Robert Pattinson, for 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 all the hate levied against him for what was a cringe-worthy role as Edward, as the glittery vampire, I think he's a pretty good actor. Um, everybody else, I think, has already demonstrated their chops as pretty good actors. Um, Colin Farrell, without question. Zoe Kravitz is good. Um, Paul Dano, is that right? Dano or Dano? Think, How do you I pronounce it? I think it him? might be Dano, but I'm not 100% sure. However it's pronounced. Um, I, I know his face, if not his name. Good actor. Um, everybody I've seen looks, looks pretty good for this. So yeah, I think these actors can do these roles. Even Pattinson so long as he doesn't sparkle as batman yeah i there's a film that came out uh last year called the lighthouse which uh i don't think is super popular but among people like myself a uh, filmmaker and film enthusiasts it's like one of the best films ever made apparently uh, it's certainly one of the best films of last year and uh robert pattinson was in it with um uh, what's his name the guy, the guy who was uh, Green Goblin in the first uh, Spider-Man movie, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Is that Willem Dafoe? Willem Dafoe, thank you. Uh, oh, Willem Dafoe's amazing. He's incredible, and Robert Pattinson was also incredible in that movie. Uh, so I think uh, he's also demonstrated his chops as a, as a good dramatic actor. Um, one thing I'll say, I'm not 100% sure about him as Batman, but I'm definitely 100% sure about him as Bruce Wayne, at the very least. I think he can he can nail that for sure. Um, I, I mean, Batman is just a a guy who talks like this, and then uh, wears a cowl over the top half of his face. Like he's he's not a difficult character to play, in my opinion. <laughs> that, that's fair. There has to be some kind of like you have to be physically imposing on some level, um, but you know that can be. You can wear a costume for that. There, there's so many other ways to make that happen. I, oh, yeah. I think Bruce Wayne is the more difficult character. I, I agree. I, I, I do think that's a fair point, and especially with, uh, with a talented uh, cinematographer, you can make anyone look imposing. So, yeah, for sure. But I'm also uh, particularly curious. I'm, I'm hesitant to say the word excited. I'm curious about Paul Dano as the Riddler because every <laughs> version of the Riddler we've seen so far has been kind of goofy. Yeah, and uh, the only role I'm really super familiar with with Paul Dano is uh, in There Will Be Blood, where he plays a crazy preacher, and that uh, just going from that role to the Riddler, I'm not a hundred percent sure what I'm gonna see, but I'm very interested to see it. Yeah, the Riddler is one of those weird characters that. Um... It's an interesting translation over from like uh, a, a comic book character that can be, you know, over the top and ridiculous and still makes sense in a comic book, comic book uh, world uh, into a cartoon where they kind of make more sense. But if you're getting into live action, yeah, really tough to make a character like the Riddler intimidating without making them, you know, just outlandish. I'm I'm interested to see that too. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, let's talk about that for a minute because part of the reason that we've seen so many people in these different roles, be it Batman, be it the Riddler, or other villains in the uh, various Rogues Gallery, um, Batman's actually been rebooted more than any other superhero franchise. Like we talk a lot about Spider-Man and how many times we've seen Spider-Man, but Batman's been rebooted a lot more than that. And with this being another round, is it? necessary what what is this which which reboot number is this for batman it's like I, eight, eight or nine it's something like that are we counting know. tv shows we could um let's yeah if we count it's tv shows it's lot. probably like well into it's the teens digits. 
Yeah. Yeah. As far as necessary, you know, no. I mean, what story about Batman hasn't been told and hasn't been retold and hasn't been reimagined and hasn't been told darker and hasn't been told um, more cartoony and hasn't been told through the eyes of him three minutes after his parents' death versus five years after his parents' death. Like, yeah, okay, um, I get it. People like Batman, good gravy. Um, I, I don't know, necessary is a tough word. I'd have to say absolutely not. No, it's not necessary. I get it. I agree with your, uh, your assessment of the word necessary. Is it necessary to make another Batman movie? No, not really. But is it worth doing? I think so. Um, we've seen uh, so many different versions, absolutely. But to say that there's stories that haven't been told, I don't think that's true. Um, we, even if you don't create new content, even if you're still just basing it off of the comics, there are just tons and tons of stories in the comics that we've never gotten to see in a cartoon or uh, in live action either. Like, personally, my favorite part of Batman in comics is the Bat Family. This movie in particular hasn't said anything about expanding the Bat Family, but I'm hoping that because it, it's apparently going to be a trilogy, we might get to see more of that in the later movies. I feel like we explored the Bat Family in, in was it George Clooney's um, Batman? Or was that Val Kilmer's? Whatever the ones that had the nipples on the suits. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, we I got a little know, bit of I'm it. Good. We got a little bit. But, like, it's always been just Batman and Robin, you know? I would love to see a live-action Nightwing. We've never gotten that, I don't think. At least not that I can remember. Except other than in, uh, in the Titans TV show, but that's garbage. Yeah. In fact, I was exposed to Nightwing. I, I'm not a big comics guy, but I I do watch. Um, I like superhero movies typically, um, and that actually turned me on to Teen Titans. Uh, and then now I have kids, and the Cartoon Network is a thing, so I watch Teen Titans Go. As blasphemous as that mm. is to comic book fans, it's so bad. <laughs> but it's 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 still you know. It's funny, but it does have some moments where I'm like, was that a real thing that happened? And I'll actually look it up I'm like, oh, man, that was really a thing uh, that happened in the comics. So in a weird way, it does still kind of stay true. Anywho, that's not the point of this. Um, I, I agree the Bat family is interesting, but I don't know. I'm I'm just I'm kind of bored of Batman. Yeah, we've we've seen it. Yeah, great. He's an edgy uh pseudo detective with tons of money um that has a chip on his shoulder okay got it uh excuse you he's the greatest detective in the world <laughs> that ever lived ever <laughs> sherlock holmes eat your heart out if nothing else we've been that people will keep buying tickets to see batman no kidding mm -hmm. so speaking of speculate on the plot we know we've got Riddler, we've got Penguin, Catwoman, and Carmine Falcone going to be in this film, as well as, of course, a younger Batman. With no plot connection to Ben Affleck Batman, the rumor mill has only stated that it's taking place in the formative years of Batman. Given the characters involved, a gang or heist-style movie seems the most probable, but what do you guys think we're going to get to see? I don't know. This one is anticipated to be a trilogy, isn't it? Like, they're supposed to be... Mm -hmm. two more movies right supposedly uh this seems to be more uh, that there's going to be a bad guy or bad lady um and then there's going to be a lot of cameos because it's going to foreshadow you know what might be interesting for the future movies i i don't know if we're going to see a whole lot more than you know the new batman uh it's supposed to deal with like the trauma of his parents death and of course his formative years as batman so there's going to be a lot of um his trial and error as a new superhero uh and then it's probably going to be his introduction to the fact that there are these weirdo villains in gotham uh but i i don't know if there's going to be a whole lot going on with him other than just introduction and probably a singular nemesis i think uh 
there's a quote from I, be I believe it was uh, Captain America's Civil War Vision said our very power invites uh, challenge and I think this movie is probably going to be along those lines where uh, between Riddler, Penguin, Catwoman and the uh, Falcon Falcone, Falcon, however you say that family it's mostly other than Riddler gen generally it's mostly like normal villains like Penguin is really just a gangster, Catwoman is just a thief the Falcone family is just, you know, a mafia. I think that we're going to see Batman take on these uh, these powers, and because of him emerging in Gotham, we're going to see other creeps and uh, weirdos emerge to challenge him. So I think we might potentially get another pseudo-origin story for bigger villains like the Joker or Mr. Freeze or somebody. Yeah, I, I think that's actually probably one of the cooler things about Batman as a superhero for me was that Gotham was populated by villains who were more normal. Now you didn't get into some weird stuff with poison Ivy and Mr. Freeze and, and folks like that down the line, but like Joker, his arch nemesis is a crazy person. And that to me makes for really intriguing stories. The penguin too, the uh, Catwoman, like, all the folks that you named yes yeah, so i agree like that's actually been really interesting um in terms of the batman mythology versus others for sure i also think uh, that said though it's interesting that they're not using one of the most normal villains in uh in the batman rogues gallery black mask that might be for legal reasons because they're using him for other dc properties right now but like it would be kind of a huge thing to have black mask in this Maybe he'll be. Maybe he'll be cameoed, and we just don't know about it yet. Maybe I. I suspect also Joker is is going to be you know a holdout reveal. Absolutely. I mean, it's a tr if it's a trilogy, he's he's going to show up at some point. Yeah. You can't have Batman without the Joker. Oh, I wonder if we're going to get the Red Hood storyline, not in this movie, but like further down the line, especially. I. I would absolutely adore that. More Bat Family. That's what I want. Yeah. Even if it means watching. Oh, the abyss listen, of a uh, good to Red Hood. No, no, no. Listen, uh, spoilers for anyone who doesn't know anything about Batman, but after watching Titans and seeing what a prick Jason Todd is, I'm absolutely okay with watching that character die on screen. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll get more nipple suits out of the Bat family. Well, so far, I haven't seen any on the suit in the stills that we've seen of Pattinson. Uh, but we have seen pictures of a bat bike and the Batmobile. Do you guys like the look of it? Do we think that they're going too modern? Do you think that there's not enough bat symbols? <laughs> that to me was always a weird element of Batman was the bat something and the bat symbols all over everything. <laughs> it was, I don't know, it was, it was, uh, you know, a childish element from a comic book that's been attempted to be. Uh, shoehorned in to a more serious take the less the better if they're going for realism and this looks like they're going for realism i agree uh i do think the ears on the uh on the bat suit look a little long which is a little off-putting just from the stills but uh, I'm, I'm imagining we're not going to notice it as much in the movie or we will and it'll be the only thing i can focus on for the entire thing but uh as far as his, his gear and his stuff, the rest of the suit looks totally fine. Uh, the bike kind of just looks like a bike. The Batmobile, though, looks awesome. It's like retro for the real world, not for Batman. Like a retro a Batmobile for Batman would be, you know, the the crazy like spikes that turn into bat wings and, and the long front, but it looks more like muscle car-esque. And I, I love that. Yeah, I agree. The The... The problem that I've seen with iterations of Batman has been <clears throat> they've tried to go so, um, I don't know, so, quote, advanced that they just make something that's out of touch with what would be practical or even reasonable, um, given whatever time period that um, the, the show or movie is done in. Like, yeah, Batman's supposed to be wealthy, but wealth doesn't equate to breaking the space-time continuum to bring in <laughs> technology that doesn't exist 
but that's been Batman. And yeah. this seems a more reasonable facsimile of, of that. For sure. I think the Ben Affleck version of Batman is probably the best example of that. He's got like our huge armor and his Batmobile was enormous. That said, Chris, the Christian Bale Batman did that as well, but I thought it did it kind of realistically. Like it, all of his stuff was military gear. Like, yeah, it was more yeah. advanced than real military gear is, but like, it's not unreasonable for someone with as, as totally. much money as Bruce Wayne has. Agreed. With that in mind, and seeing a retro, what has been your absolute favorite iteration of Batman as a character? Basil mentioned the Christian Bale Batman, and that is my favorite iteration so far. Um, of of the Batmans, I, I think there are different things that can be can be appreciated about them. Um, some are a little bit more hokey. Some are a little bit more, you know, outlandish, more cartoony, more. Uh, you know, whatever, uh, to appeal to different audience tastes. For me, I tend to be a person who appreciates realism. I really like, um, if, if we're going to get into a, uh, an iteration of any narrative um, that is supposed to be um, set in reality, the more real, the better for me. Um, if you want to set something in Narnia, of course, go wild. You have whatever, you know, whatever you want at your disposal. But if it's set in reality, like Batman's supposed to be, yeah, the, I, the, the more realistic, the better. And I think um, the Christian Bale version did that. I could uh, I, I could argue about uh, Batman being supposed to be set in reality, but I'll just answer the question instead. Um, as far as live action goes, I have two answers, because I think the best Batman, uh, at least recently, was absolutely Christian Bale. But I actually surprisingly liked Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne. I thought he did a really incredible job of that, if nothing else. Um, however, if we're going for any iteration of Batman, my favorite by far has been uh, Batman Beyond. Uh, like the old man Bruce Wayne training a new young Batman is incredible. I love that story. That's the cartoon, right? Mm-hmm. I honestly, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna be completely out of line here and saying, I haven't watched it, but whatever I've seen of it has intrigued me because it does look really fascinating. All the like clips I've seen of it and even the advertisements for it, they look fantastic. I think I would also dig watching that. I will say it's a it's a very '90s cartoon, so it's a little hard hard to watch, but it's definitely a cool story. I was a teenager in the 90s. You underestimate my tolerance. <laughs> Fair enough. And of course, there is the honorary uh, shout-out to the Lego Batman. Oh, dude. No, you're absolutely right. Lego Batman is awesome. Uh, I haven't seen the movie. Been... Oh, no, it's worth watching. Especially okay. if you appreciate an irreverent take that doesn't take itself too seriously. Oh, it's awesome. I'll have to check it out at some point. So he... Well, I won't get into it all. <laughs> I won't spoil anything. But, oh, it's so good. And his relationship with the Joker, where the Joker wants to be his nemesis. <laughs> it's so good. So good. Well, The Batman, which is set to be the beginning of a trilogy, will release in October of 2021, pending any further delays, which is a phrase we're all getting a little tired of. Hopefully we'll get some more information soon and return to talk about Edward Cullen taking on a new form of bat creature. And maybe Syl will get the bat daddy that he craves. It's been almost a year since season 10 of the hit animated series Archer released, and unfortunately, like so many other great things, it's been delayed. Season 11 was supposed to come out over the next couple of weeks, but has now sadly been pushed to an unrevealed date, which, while very, you know, frustrating for those of us that enjoy the show, uh, is of course encouraged to make sure that everyone stays alive during a plague. But that said, we're still going to talk about it uh, while we're waiting for him, so spoilers are inbound. 
Back in season seven of the series, Archer was fatally shot in the back and then drowned in a swimming pool, but miraculously survived, only to wind up in a coma. Over the last three seasons of the series, we've seen Sterling and the gang in new roles as coma-induced dream characters in random scenarios. From Dreamland, a noir-style detective case, to Danger Island, a post-World War II Indiana Jones-esque adventure, to Archer 1999, a clearly 2001 Space Odyssey-inspired sci-fi escapade. Do you guys have a favorite coma season? Still, I feel like I keep going first. It's your turn. I didn't like the coma seasons. <gasps> okay. I didn't. So, what's your favorite of the ones you didn't like? Mm, I think probably Danger Island was the most interesting to me. But, like, beyond analyzing it for story potential for future, for the next upcoming season, um, I just, I love continuity and I love uh, important details. So like Archer started out really silly and not a lot not a lot of things mattered. But over time the characters really developed and like they had, you know, uh what's her name? AJ the kid. Like things got serious, you know, it mattered. And just stepping away from that for three seasons in a row, just to not care about that continuity anymore, it hurt me. Dang, not like me, so. Yeah. Um I I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't follow Archer. Um, I liked what I saw of it. I appreciated the irreverence of it. Um, but I was not a religious watcher. I think it's partially just because it's a TV show and I have an aversion to TV shows. But when it was on, I would watch it and I would make it a point uh, too because I found it hilarious. The guy who voices Bob from Bob's Burgers <laughs> doing Sterling Archer, secret super spy, to me was always just kind of hilarious in and of itself. And then, of course, the irreverence of the the show itself being, I don't know, kind of an examination of like, hey, what would be what would be the repercussions of James Bond IRL? Like, what would be the repercussions of somebody who does all this stuff? Would he be an alcoholic? Probably. <laughs> would he have a bunch of STDs? Probably. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's all like just a fascinating exploration of like, what's the, what are the logical conclusions of the realities of this character, but put in a realistic slash comedic reality? And then these last three seasons have been just, you know, an examination of that on you know the next level what happens if the main character goes into a coma and fascinates about the people around him i i've seen a couple of the 2001 or uh, archer 1999 in space and they were awesome i loved them uh but they were it, it confused me because i hadn't followed this show up until very recently when I knew this was going to be our topic. And I started reading, I was like, oh, that's why they're in space. Because <laughs> it's <laughs> all in Archer's head. Oh, that makes a little more sense now. But I did find those episodes really funny, too. I, I definitely found them funny. I think they're still entertaining. And they're still, like, true to what the show is. But, like, it's, ju it's just the sake of continuity that I don't like, you know? I, I enjoy a, a narrative story, and I feel like they've broken the narrative. Dude, you sound like me when I start talking about The Hobbit. <laughs> well, after three years, Sterling Archer is waking up. According to one of the show's producers, Matt Thompson, the show will finally be returning to its roots in the secret agent realm. Unfortunately, three years in a coma kind of does a lot to a person, both mentally and physically, and apparently the other characters have had to move on without Sterling. So how do you think, how do you guys think that the world and the other cast members have changed without Archer's presence? I am a little terrified because like I mentioned earlier, uh, they had a kid. Um, I can't remember her name, the mom. Lana. Lana, thank you. Oh, of course, Lana. He screams it constantly. Um, yes. <laughs> I'm a little terrified of the idea of Lana moving on like romantically because he's going to wake up to that and be heartbroken. That's going to be so sad. But I almost feel like that's absolutely going to happen. 
I mean, I suspect it'll be something that they face for a little while. Um, for all of Archer's flaws, his inability to connect and his, um, let's say, his uh, unwillingness to admit that he loves Lana, Lana suffers the same. And I think she's unwilling to admit um, to, to, to some of the similar inability to to connect so i think we might face some of that where she's attempted dating or she's you know she's gonna try and tell him she's moved on but i don't know i don't think that's ultimately going to be their reality um i see them facing some of that and of course everyone having moved on um to to include archer or sterling's own kid who has spent three years without him now um not to get too real, uh, but I I spent a, a year away from my kid on deployment, and there's a lot of growing that happens in a child's life. Um, she she was a three to four when I was gone, and when I got back, like her whole uh, reality was different without me. Me trying to get back involved in family life, and even to the point of like her being okay with me putting her to bed and reading her stories like she was used to mom doing all of that so that was you know th those were some trying times to see archer experience that um in uh in, in this show with a daughter who's gone three times as long as my own personal experience um i think would be interesting to to see if if the writers can keep it funny they have to keep it lighthearted for sure. Well, aside from the interpersonal challenges he's going to face, his own state is nothing to gloss over. Not only is he going to be physically weak, but the creators of the show have hinted that the three seasons of coma-induced dream states have probably changed his perspective on things. Do you guys think that the archer that wakes up is going to be different from the archer that went in? Undoubtedly. Um, I think... Um, one of the more interesting things about the character is I, I hate to keep saying this but he does remind me a lot of me as much as he's he's a jack um, but he's a character who gets by on the fact that he's charming and the fact that he's good like uh, in the moment and um, part of that which is unlike me but part of that is physicality like he can manage himself most of the time in a physical situation some of that's gonna naturally be taken away uh, and to see him as a character have to adapt to the fact that his own physicality isn't able to get him out of the jams that his procrastination his lack of attention to detail his inattentiveness his uh, other flaws alcoholism for instance, get him into um, that I think is worth exploring and will be interesting to see because it's been a pretty fundamental aspect of his character thus far. I think, if nothing else, the coma seasons have provided us with new perspectives on how he feels about the people around him. Like, um, we saw several of the characters take villain roles over the, the three coma seasons, and I think that's super interesting. Uh, just to see, like, he sees potential for antagonism in several of these characters. Uh, and I think there's good reason why that we've already seen, but to see that explored further based on his new perception of these people might be super interesting. Um, I, I'm... Personally, the relationship I feel like matters most in the show, at least to me, is between Archer and Lana, so that that's the relationship I'm, I'm, I'm most curious to see how it will evolve uh, when he wakes up. But I think based on what we saw in the coma seasons, he's probably, his feelings for her aren't going to change, I don't think. Although, like you said earlier, he may be unwilling to admit those feelings. Yeah, I, th I think we're going to continue to see them both dance around them. Because I, I do think she shares uh, similar feelings for him, um, but is equally unwilling to explore them because he is remarkably flawed. Um, but you know to to see that 
growth in those characters as well as the growth of their own relationship i think is an interesting thing to watch absolutely easily one of the most flawed heroes ever written yeah for sure he's no captain america <laughs> well speaking of flaws we've seen the show's original private intelligence service fail we've seen the cast ruin their chances with the cia we've also seen them turn their back on the intelligence business altogether and go into the pi game thoughts on how they might end up back in the spy world i don't know i i'm i'm actually really intrigued to see how they get back into that um i i think for shows like these you kind of live season to season you never know if you're going to get picked up again by the network that um that you're on and it's only through convincing them that you're going to have a brilliant season and that you had a brilliant season in the past that you get to do another one. And so you have to keep coming up with some fresh thing, some new hook, some cool idea to, to bring folks in. They were a, a spy agency, and then they, they ended up having to get into the, to the PI industry. And then they went so far as to have Archer in a coma so that... For three seasons now, his friends could do the most ridiculous stuff to try and make interesting stories. Now that we're back in reality, I, I, I really don't know. Um, I'm actually really intrigued to see um, how they do get back into either spying or PI or somehow back into the intelligence game. I, I really don't have any theories. I'm just interested to see. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't know that I have any theories either, but I know for a fact I will not be surprised when inevitably Mallory is responsible for it. <laughs> well, for sure, yeah. I mean, she's she's the brain behind everything. Absolutely, she's the, she, she's the puppet master of all their doom. Uh, totally, yeah. So I, I don't know how they're going to do it, but she's definitely behind it. Are we not doing phrasing anymore? What do you mean, phrasing? <sighs> you guys aren't real fans. Is this... Is this a like um, student term I'm unfamiliar with? Leo, do you want to get ants? Because that's how you get ants. <laughs> okay. Carter, <laughs> Carter left. Carter left. That's all I need. With no current information on when season 11 will release, and even less information on whether or not the series will be renewed for another one after, the final fate of Sterling Archer and the gang is unclear, but we're very excited to see what becomes of them maybe in the next decade. Ever since the beginning of the COVID-19 outbreak, GameStop has had a finger pointed at them for questionable practices with their storefront employees. One could say that they've had a finger pointed at them for quite a bit longer than that, but you know, especially since the beginning of the outbreak. The game store stayed open on a lot longer than most similar other businesses did because apparently they have marked their employees as essential. On March 21st, they finally closed their stores after outcries from the internet and legal authorities alike. Their CEO, George Sherman, has made claims initially that the stores are an essential business because they provide hardware that's necessary to work from home, such as mouses and keyboards. Do you guys think he had a point? <laughs> So, okay, I'm not the biggest fan of GameStop. Let me let me just clear the air here. I have I've been privy to all the whole. I used to work for GameStop until videos on YouTube and and whatnot. And I commiserate with the folks who have uh, taken issue with a corporate giant that has taken advantage of its employees. However. In the, in the light of our current situation, what's defined as essential has been strange. Uh, and how the rules have been enforced has also been strange. Um, I work for a financial institution and we're declared essential. I get that. People need access to the money. The truth is... We have ATMs and online banking, and there's absolutely no reason anybody needs to come to a physical branch for anything. Yet, we have to keep our branches open so that people can provide 
other people the services that they can do online and that they can do uh, at ATMs. Okay, fantastic. But my local coffee shop is also open. Wonderful. I can go and get my coffee if I need it. Is that essential? I, I don't know. I don't think so. But other people would argue, yes, they're essential. Who am I to argue? I don't know. So, whatever. I would love to see the point they're making, but I think it's false. I mean, you can, you can get a mouse and keyboard anywhere, and most people already have one. The only thing they're selling other than hardware is games, and that's not essential. You can even get all that online. Like, literally the entire stock of GameStop you can get in other ways that some would argue are easier to deal with. What if I'm a console peasant? I, you can still get that stuff online. What if I'm a console peasant that doesn't have internet access? Then you aren't working online anyway. So I would need to go to a GameStop to get my latest console peasant release. If you don't have internet, how would you know it has or if it was released? Yeah. Someone on a podcast told me. But you can't listen to the podcast. How are you, you getting don't have the internet. podcast? <laughs> I, I don't know. I've gone too far. <laughs> I'm proud of you for trying to emphasize with console peasantry. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, yeah, I appreciate as a console peasant, I appreciate it. Um. Yeah, no, I, I just I don't think I don't think he does have a point. I, I I want to be able to support some decisions that are making about like trying to keep people's jobs, but i just i don't think that they have a strong enough reason to stay open i don't know i i think we're gonna get into it here in a bit um so i don't go into into too much of it here but i do think um the the rules on what's a quote essential employee um every state's a little bit different i live in texas so the things i see are you know going to be different for anybody who lives in a, in a different area not only in the u.s but course across the world um but what's essential quote unquote doesn't seem to match at least what i would consider essential mcdonald's is still up and operating are they essential no not in my head but for some people they are and they're still operating are they any more essential than gamestop yeah i don't i don't know I, I don't think so, but again, who am I? I uh, I definitely have an opinion, but we'll we are going to get to that in a bit. So, yeah, yeah. I'll spare you both the anticipation. Essential employees are clearly restricted to healthcare, food service, sanitation, and emergency services. Some would argue that businesses that typically use part-time workers are saving people's jobs but others are finding it irresponsible to be putting people in potential danger and essentially using their rent as a method of forcing them to expose themselves to the virus. Where do you think the line is on essential? So Leo's already essentially made this point. <laughs> essentially, get it? Um, I am a- I see what you did. Yeah, thank you. I'm a part-time essential employee. I only work one day a week right now um, because of all that's going on. Um, but I do work in food service uh, as a part-time job, so, you know, technically I'm essential. Uh, I personally think, to your point earlier, that as much as I agree that McDonald's maybe isn't exactly the best uh, course of food service in times like these, you know, this is America, man. People are going to eat their McDonald's. People got to eat. If they're not eating that, they're going to eat something else. Gotta, gotta have something to, to give them food, I guess. Um, and to their credit, I don't know if it's the same where you are, but here in uh, here in Illinois, all of the fast food places, you cannot go inside the stores anymore. It's drive through only. So they are, to their credit, doing the best they can to stop spread and still give people food. Yeah, I'll, I'll give cred here as well. Um, fast food places have closed their lobbies. And are instead relying on either other services who have made deliveries for them or uh, their own internal 
delivery services. However, among that list, which is healthcare, food service, sanitation, and emergency services, uh, we've neglected my industry, which is financial. Uh, and we're uh, government required. So we, we also are obligated to stay open. Um, and food service to me means grocery store. It doesn't mean McDonald's. Um, however, uh, it's been interpreted to mean McDonald's, which is, uh, I think, a stretch. I mean, I definitely don't disagree that it's a stretch. I, I don't, I mean, your point is immaculate. You're, you're spot on. But um, I think to, to, to go back on something you said earlier uh, regarding your uh, line of work being essential, you guys can work from home. That's a very different thing than like these particular services that were mentioned as essential employees. Most of these services have to be provided in person uh, to some extent, at least. Um, like my job can't be done from home. I have to go out once a week and actually do the job. Uh, and I think that that's where that line is to, to actually answer the question that was asked. Um, is in, 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 in this particular case, essential means having to actually go and do the job. Sure. I, well, uh, let me just allow a point of clarification. I work from home. I um, don't need to be in a branch doing a particular job. However, we do have a lot of folks who do need to be at branches so that those branches can remain open. That is the, um, the, the federal requirement, actually, that we have branches open. So hmm. they have to be physically present at the branch. Um, right now we have our lobbies closed um, outside of uh, essential appointments, uh, but our drive throughs are open to anybody who comes through. And our folks are like gloved up and wearing masks and trying to do their best to try and keep from contracting or spreading Corona. Uh, but due to federal mandate, financial institutions have to have branches open my job is different i'm not a i'm not a teller or a banker i'm something different so yes i do have the luxury and don't get me wrong it is a luxury 100 percent, to be able to work from home but our folks don't have that that's interesting i actually didn't know that uh that there were still people working at the branches that's yeah, good to know totally when they did finally start to shut down, Sherman then claimed that they were very strictly following the CDC procedures, despite the fact that in states like New York and New Jersey, among others, they remained open well past the point of governments calling for the retail lo locations to close their doors. Thoughts? I think I'm ill-equipped to actually really talk about this, given that I don't really understand the nuances of New York and New Jersey um, laws. The, the CDC is a federal entity and it's a federal advisory entity uh, and they um, advise government decision makers on what they think are the best courses of action given the situation and their policies now the cdc has a priority in limiting the spread of deadly diseases governments of our nation and around the world have multiple priorities of both uh, ensuring the welfare of its population in dozens of ways. Uh, and that's health as well as economic. Our health matters. Our economy also matters. So trying to balance those two is an ever-changing line. Uh, what's... Uh, what's going to pose the most risk to the most people versus what's going to provide the most benefit to the most people and trying to find the best balance between those as well as uh, honestly dozens of competing priorities is a monster of a responsibility COVID-19 is a remarkable um, recent challenge and facing that against impending economic collapse um, is nothing to sneeze at yeah uh, i mean i'm de i definitely don't know the answer either but 
I, I think, uh, and I don't necessarily, I'm not going to say that I necessarily agree with this, but I think uh, the issue most people are having is that the general public, to, to my knowledge, at least from what I've seen, are deciding that the line is safety over economy. Um, and, you know, whether you agree with that or not, that's just the perspective some people have. So sure, I think that that's sure. why GameStop and other companies are being vilified in this way is that they're choosing economy over health to some extent. Um, obviously, they're they're not. I don't think they're intentionally trying to put people in harm's way, but you know, to some extent, they are maybe unintentionally doing it anyway. Not necessarily an argument. Uh, just something I feel is worth bringing up. Uh, a lot of people are filing for unemployment because they essentially need it to survive right now. And I think that's uh, also really the same reason that a lot of people are working at these uh, these part-time jobs in food service and other essential uh, areas is because, you know, to some extent, we need to make money to survive, to be able to feed ourselves and get health care if we need it, etc. Um, so really, there's there's an argument to be made for, for both ends of the stick here. My God, who wouldn't work? at a fast food if they didn't need to. <laughs> Fair enough. GameStop is certainly getting the majority of the attention on this topic, but are there other businesses that are going under the radar with these practices? Would you say it's a systemic problem or a confined one or just really not a problem at all given everything else going on? I mean, I feel like Neo, Leo actually kind of hit the nail on the head earlier uh, calling out McDonald's. I kind of really see your point actually. Uh, I think ultimately, yeah, it is a systematic problem because like I just said, you know, people need to work to survive and in this kind of, uh, in this kind of climate where things are going wrong, if our economy is going to collapse because of this and if the alternative is people just dying, like clearly that's a problem. Obviously this is a really rare thing to happen and ideally it never happens again, but if we're not set up to, uh, to battle something like this we need to be yeah i i mean i can't help um agree there that there's while companies like mcdonald's um and i i, I don't mean to pick on them but uh, they're an example that has persisted uh throughout cultural um challenges that have uh, irreparably damaged other similar and like-minded companies throughout the years which has painted them as either cutthroat or brilliant i tend to think it's it, you know profit at all costs um, that's just been their reality and the truth is that's been the, that's been the same for corporations uh, across the world across time um i i don't begrudge them for that existence i mean i do have a little bit of hate in my heart um, for that kind of cold reality a little um <laughs> well a lot yeah um but uh, um this is also the uh, a time uh, where it, it's an incredibly subjective thing like who's essential you know i feel like at the end of the day i uh i'm as middle ground on this as i am because uh, i've completely agree that most of these companies probably should close down for a while but at the same time, I've been getting McDonald's like every other day. <laughs> well, no, dude, I've I've ordered like delivery to my house from my own grocery store. I've done that before. And last night we ordered delivery from like the sushi place of our local grocery store. They have a, a sushi section and I've never done that. They didn't even have that before, but we ordered it last night and I didn't feel <laughs> I didn't feel a a pang of regret dude grocery store sushi is great it, it, it really is <laughs> this one's for is a weird pick just for me as well um especially just because of my own situation you know i'm someone who's very vulnerable to the virus so like i have to be doubly careful um in terms of protection to me it seems like the line would be a lot more clear-cut if the service that you are providing can be done from home, it needs to be done from home. If the service that you are providing can be replaced by automation, um, at least temporarily, then that should be the goal, whether that's um, 
you know, you could order things online instead of going in to pick them up. Like if you need a new mouse, a new keyboard, you know, etc. Um, I think that if the trouble is that our economy is going to suffer because of long-term effects from an extended quarantine, then all businesses shutting down when they were supposed to, when they were told to, would have been the best move because that's what would have really capped the virus's spread a lot faster. And I think that in insisting on remaining open and trying to find these loopholes is part of what's extended the time period that we're going to be under quarantine. Well, that's a really interesting perspective, T. And uh, um, I, I'd actually be very curious to find a comprehensive examination of, of that reality. Regardless, we understand that there are unprecedented needs of all to work and make a wage in these trying times. But please, everyone, we just want to remind you to stay safe, regardless of what you do. Don't put yourself at risk any more than you have to. Okay, you gaggle of gullible goons, it's tea time. These are not my words. I'm a puppet on strings. I am both physically and metaphysically bound to this teleprompter. The script is my life, and there is no tea. So would you rather live in a steampunk or a cyberpunk world, and why? Make your cases. <laughs> I wrote that. <laughs> as cool as sci-fi is, I have a fascination with steampunk that I cannot explain. Um, I think... <laughs> Ultimately, I don't have any arguments that are going to make steampunk sound better than cyberpunk because like the first thing that comes to mind between the two is like is in, in a steampunk world, you're probably getting a lot more diseases, um, which we have all had enough of by now. But, uh, you know, gasoline and gears, it's, a, it's just a cool vibe, you know, everything is cool until it's ruined by the fans of that vibe. Um... Steampunk is cool until you get steampunk fans. Anime is cool until you get anime fans. Learning. My Little Ponies are cool until bronies ruin it. Like, the, everything is cool up until... I'm just completely turned off by the folks who seem in love with it. Cyberpunk, though... <laughs> Leo. <laughs> I was really if on board I'm with gonna... you there until you started talking about My Little Pony. <laughs> okay, of these two, Steampunk or Cyberpunk, I, I, I think I have the absolute opposite uh, impression of yours. I'm going to lean towards Cyberpunk only because while the two do seem kind of cool, the two do seem interesting to pursue as um, narrative elements. Cyberpunk means I'm not going to die of syphilis. Or I'm not going to die of... <laughs> The bubonic plague whereas in steampunk i will so i'm gonna go with cyberpunk because if i lose an arm i can get a fake one put on that's even cooler than the first one well hold on you can get that in steampunk too it's just bigger and more mechanical yeah but it's gross it's powered nah. and it's made of brass and it's gonna give me like metal poison like it's it's gonna be terrible i cannot argue with any of your points but revolvers <laughs> and gears <laughs> revolvers and gears Pathetic. and cool top hats what about you t i mean i'm dead either way so let's say you weren't dead either way yeah. um, okay so actually my favorite of the punk uh post fixes is actually solar punk which is like uh like all green energy type of aggressive like the world is going to be okay because what is more punk in a world full of darkness than saying screw you i'm gonna be happy um but that uh, that aside if you'd like to submit a tea time question for the podcast or a word for steampunk fans head on over to soakingaming.com slash media and find the submission bar on the right hand side of the page thank you everyone for listening to the soakin podcast for more Sokin Media, you can visit us at SokinGaming.com slash SokinMedia, follow our Twitter at SokinGaming, and subscribe to our YouTube, Sokin Gaming Community, and look for future episodes of the podcast on Google Podcasts and iTunes. Until next time, I've been T. 
I have and shall remain. Leo. I've been so, and hopefully next week I'll be back in the shadows. And we'll see you next week. Stay steamy, Sokan. Thank you for listening to the Sokan Community Podcast. Craving more? Visit us on Twitter and YouTube at Sokan Gaming, as well as our website, www.sokangaming.com. Until next time, stay classy. Right, Jace?